Dearest FYR listeners, we were delighted to receive the results of your Twitter poll for our special episode. It's funny, though we may be speaking to you from the depths of movie jail, we feel like the luckiest man on earth. Just hang on while we do some Tai Chi and learn some Spanish. Hard target is the absolute hot business. Objetivo duro es el negocio caliente. Anyways, we were not able to lure Baby O onto the podcast despite the promise of pink coconut things, but hopefully our discussion will not be a disappointment to you or to anyone else. Love always, Rob, Simon, and James. P.S. We tip our umbrella drinks to our hummingbird, Bob Hardy. If you haven't heard of him, he plays nice songs in a guitar band. <laughs> <laughs> in a guitar band oh, yeah. so that, was a, that was a departure but so good so relevant you you know the music you have to use as well si. that, there's no substitute here Leon rhymes do I use Leon rhymes <laughs> no not yet not unless you want to see the waterworks dearing me how are you fellas are you okay yes good, good thank mate. you good. good 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 what have you guys been watching Oh, so this week I caught up with a film, a Stephen King adaptation by the name of Doctor Sleep, which was adapted for the screen and directed by Mike Flanagan. And I really, really enjoyed it. This Mike Flanagan guy, I don't know if you're familiar with him at all. He's a hell of a director. Mm. And he's managed to make a worthy sequel to both King and Kubrick's versions of The Shining. Wow. It's really, really impressive, as is Rebecca Ferguson as one of the most despicable baddies I've seen on screen in quite some time. It's long. It runs like two and a half hours with a longer director's cut available. But I would heartily recommend it if you like The Shining. I thought it was very, very good. So you watched the theatrical cut, James? I did, yeah. yeah. Because I've heard the director's cut is, is, be- is even better, but obviously longer. Yeah, I, I might actually chase that up in a month or two and just contrast and compare. But yeah, I really liked it. Awesome. Is that Re- Rebecca Ferguson, not Black Eyed Peas? No, no, not, not Fergie. Uh, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible, Impossible. Re- Rebecca. Oh, flip it <laughs> Also, not the Scouse girl who was on it the X Factor. That's that what I was <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably all at sea with these. <laughs> the missing Fergusons. <laughs> that sounds really cool. What about you, Si? Um, I finally caught up with um, Parasite this week. What, what can I say about this film that hasn't already been said? Um, it took me ages to watch it because I've, I'm not really the biggest fan of Bong Joon-ho, quite controversially. He makes solid movies, but for me, they're always just a bit like not as good as people would suggest. Um, so I wasn't in a massive rush to see it. But no, with with this one, his like usual balance of humour and tragedy is just so perfect. And yeah, I just found it like completely engrossing and really poignant as well. And like each time because the it, it takes a lot of like narrative turns and yeah each time it takes a narrative shift it really kicks up a gear and it just like pushes and pulls you through a sincere and like really heart-wrenching sort of exploration of like society and societal constructs and even though it's korean it's quite relevant to everyone i think and it's just, yeah it's just it's amazing i absolutely loved it just a real masterful piece of storytelling and filmmaking and just was worthy of each and every accolade it received, I think, because it did very well in the Oscars, as um, everyone knows. So yeah, 
It's just superb. Amazing oh, very film. cool. Really yeah, I loved it. it as well. I thought it was brilliant. Cool. Um, to round out the trifecta, I caught up with Harry Potter's five and six, oh, as yes. they're called. Uh, <laughs> uh, is what, one of them's Goblet of Fire, and is that that's right, isn't it? No, Goblet of Fire is Order four. of Phoenix. Order of Phoenix and a Half Blood Prince, I think. That's it. That's it. Right. Well, five was good, and then it, it was good, and then it, they're right. Let's just get it. they're brilliantly made, aren't yeah. they? Oh, yeah. Five's good, and then there's that absolutely brilliant showdown between Dumbledore and um, the Voldemort guy. <laughs> you know, in in some immense obsidian warehouse with all the, and that was like the first time I was like, oh, whoa, there's threat here. This is ace. And then six happened. Half Blood Prince. I pretty much hated this one, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the only good bit happened at the end. It's proper boring, and I hate I hate them all now. It's just <laughs> snogging and swearing and hormones. Everyone's dead shredded. Long Bottom is my absolute G, though. Yeah, is uh, Half Blood Prince the one where Harry Potter becomes really like teenager? <laughs> it's a proper little like snarky little arsehole. Honestly, like, I'm, the, 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 the language has got absolutely awful. It's constant all the time. All, I was doing it wrong with it. It's constant all the time. Like, ah, oh, bloody hell. Oh, no. Just, could you just stop this now? I'm, I'm so sick of it. These, uh, you know, anyway, um, again, watching it with the children, I know they're 12s. Should really have thought about that. But um, they're introducing me to this. Um, and they said six was brilliant, and it really isn't. Um, anyway, <laughs> enough of all that. Um, I'm, I'm halfway through seven, the Hallows one. The first Hallows one. The first one. Hallows one. Oh, the, the yeah. camping one, where they just go on a camping trip for an hour. <laughs> That's what happened in that first one. They needlessly split it into two parts, as was the rage back yeah. in the day. They wanted the coin. They wanted the coin. They did, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, it's sort of lost me at the moment. Obviously, I'm enjoying the production value and the effects. But anyway, what I really enjoyed watching this week was, and can I just preface this by saying, it was on July the 1st we watched this. We watched Krampus, the Christmas horror film. Oh, no. um, oh yeah, sorry, yeah. Adam Scott. Um, have you guys seen that? I haven't seen I, it. No. I keep meaning to watch it, and I never get it. It doesn't ever seem to be streaming when it's Christmas time, so I don't I want know, to watch I it know. in July. It, <laughs> it was like it was on. Um, I'm, it, we were just doing the whole scroll through Netflix thing. Yeah, it was like, like just sitting there. I've got to tell you, like it's a load, load of fun, and tonally, it's it, it's aware of exactly what it is. It's all over the place on purpose. Yeah, you know it's funny and then you know there's hilarious one-liners and kids are getting killed and it's, it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious but the design you know the mythology and the design of Krampus yeah. itself is so good I absolutely love this creature design really really massively loved that um, and it was really fun yeah liked it a yeah. lot been meaning um, to watch that for ages yeah. we love Adam Scott on this pod don't we oh we do I was going to say although I kept he was playing like playing it straight, you know the yeah, everyman, yeah. lovely father role, and you know he's running around with stubble and um, a lo- like a lovely gun at one point. I'm like, oh, you, you lovely gun, <laughs> <laughs> a lovely little peep, like pew pew. Uh, yeah, he's, he's suddenly like, oh, you lovely earnest dishy man out of nowhere, and Tony Collette's in it as well. Is she? Oh, yeah, oh that's and nice. they're, they're like a married couple, and it's like they play off each other really well. It works, seriously. Was this pre-hereditary? Or after? It was, it yeah. I think this was uh, 2015, this, I think. Oh, um, but I liked oh, yeah. it. Um, and, you know, obviously all the rest of the time was just spent saying, Krampus, Krampus, as many times as he can <laughs> you know, to upset the children. <laughs> Uh, I am not going to show them that anytime soon. No. You know, they're already scared of a bearded fella coming down the chimney, let alone this thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
But anyway, no, it's loads of fun. Um, yeah, uh, just to bring it down to slightly more serious. Well, no, it's a lot more serious. Our Batman Forever episode came out immediately the day before Joel Schumacher himself passed away, the director of the film. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to recognise that. Um, hat tip and rest in peace, Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Rest in peace. Great body of work. Amazing body Go of and check work. out yeah, the, some of the other of Joel Schumacher yeah. movies. Uh, Phone Booth, Falling Down, Lost Boys. He's got some great stuff in his back catalogue. For yeah. For sure. Yeah. It was a shame to see a lot of people just basically saying how shit Batman films were. His Batman films were. And ignoring all the great movies he'd made yeah. before that. Um, and then there were some really nice stories of how ni- he, he was nice in Hollywood. Like, apparently he was mm. really... Like would speak to anyone and and be interested in what you know, no matter what stage of their career they were at in Hollywood, whether they were like a just like getting the teas or something like that, he would always make time for everyone. So that like stuff like that was good coming out stories like that. Mm. But someone dies, man. Don't be negative. Just talk oh, about these good I movies. I don't, I don't like the how everyone just automatically veers towards the negative side of it. Yeah. You made the Lost yeah. Boys. It's so iconic that movie, isn't it? And, and, yeah, yeah. Talk about that. Talk about those those films. Don't yeah. shit all over the his misfires. No, which Batman Forever wasn't as no. as discussed yeah. as we as we now know. You know, <laughs> yeah, was that the bit about all that commentary that hurts the most? That people are getting Batman Forever wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they clearly had not listened to for your reconsiderations take on the. They film. just hadn't hadn't. Anyway, we jest um, in good spirits. Uh, cheers, Joel. We um, raise our glasses to you. And moving on, we were the centre, I use that in loose inverted commas, of a Twitter, I'm going to use this in loose inverted commas as well, firestorm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, we did our, because this is our listener special, our listener World Cup special. Brilliantly organised, James, by the way. So good. It was just an outrageously brilliant effort, mate. It's the most stressed out I've been all year, this, running this <laughs> stupid tournament online. So I thought, right, let's have a little bit of fun. Everyone's still in lockdown for the most part. Let's do a bit of a little tournament to decide which film we're going to discuss on a listener request episode. We had loads and loads of great suggestions come in from our followers on Twitter. So things like Roadhouse, Tango and Catch. Mm. Cutthroat Island, all sorts of stuff vying for it, and we had we narrowed it down to a list uh, to a short list of sixteen, and we did it in a little tournament fashion. And uh, one of our followers, uh, who goes by the name of Bob Hardy, uh, he put a suggestion forward uh, for a film called Dirty Work, which stars Norm Macdonald from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Chris Farley's last movie, isn't it? I think it is apparently. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never seen the film, but um, you know, from monitoring the Twitter, uh, Bob is a is a listener of ours, and he's he's put this forward a couple of times, and we've never put it up to the public. So we thought, right, we'll stick it in this time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fine. We start we start the tournament off. What we didn't take into consideration is that Bob has quite the Twitter following. <laughs> uh, as uh, Nick Cage put in the intro to tonight's episode, he is in a guitar band. Um, <laughs> we won't name them. Let's just say it rhymes with bands Burdenand. Um, Doesn't he play left back for Villa? Yeah. <laughs> and essentially what Bob did was he weaponized his Twitter followers against our poll, which means dirty work essentially cheated its way to the final. Beating who did it who did it beat on the way? It beat Tango and Cash and Cutthroat Island, which we thought you know, it's 
Fair it enough. beats tonight's movie as well. It did beat tonight's movie. Yes, and it beat Cod Air. So how we've got to this point is we get to the final and it's Dirty Work versus Armageddon and Dirty Work is absolutely trouncing it because again, Bob has, said, has sent his followers to vote for him and they're a very loyal bunch and they've gone ahead and done that for him. And then we're getting towards two or three hours. I mean, we're all feeling like that fat guy on Come Down With Me, the sorest losers in the world. It's like, <laughs> it's like oh, you've won dirty work. Congratulations. Enjoy the win. Like, but, but we're going to honour the competition, even though, let's call it what it is, it's cheating, right? <laughs> so, so, anyway, we get a message, don't we, about two to three hours before the poll is due to finish, and I don't know if uh, if Bob had had a lockdown nap and been visited by three cinematic ghosts. <laughs> he essentially felt that the way that Dirty Work had won the competition was not legit and not in keeping with the spirit. Was it itself Dirty Work? Yeah, it was very <laughs> Dirty Work. <laughs> and then decided to pull the film from the competition. Bear in mind, I have a full-time job as well to do is managing this. This is outrageous. <laughs> so we had to put our heads together and essentially we came to the conclusion that given that it had been pulled out that we would have Armageddon go up against the three films that Dirty Work had beaten on its way to the final. Those three other three films were Tango and Cash, Cutthroat Island and Con Air. So we did a four-way, a fatal four-way uh, in WWE parlance and tonight's film came out on top. So... It was quite a journey, but we've got here in the end. And I've, I'm made up because I had this slated down to do <laughs> on an upcoming show anyway. Yeah, so it's got, like all my yeah, Christmases have anyway. come at once. So <laughs> thank you to everyone who voted for uh, in the poll. It was great fun. It was great fun. And uh, thanks to Bob as well, who brought some much-needed drama to proceedings. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, um, <laughs> we uh, the, the artwork, Bob, for this had already been done. And I did it on the Saturday while the semi-finals were happening. <laughs> so there is some like limited edition artwork of us saying that our next episode is... Dirty work. Because <laughs> uh, it's got a way, but, isn't it? Yeah, it, of course. Yeah, yeah. It was um, so but funny. You will always be our hummingbird, Bob. Oh god! I there was a was it on the Saturday when that came in when it when when the final was and I got this message through and he was like, oh, I, yeah, I feel a bit guilty. I don't you know I don't want to go into the details. Of what we, what we, what we had, just like. I feel um, feeling a bit guilty now. Um, do you mind if I pull the film? He's <laughs> like, no, mate. <laughs> and I was laughing for a good solid 20 minutes, like watching all this <laughs> unfold. And then we were having chats on the side and then Twitter was having <laughs> chats. And then a few of his fans chipped in and was like, this is outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and my uh, oh god i was crying with laughter i just thought it was, it was excellent so was funny excellent. the whole the way it's gone from start to finish has been so so yeah. funny so yeah, yeah thanks bob for um for getting involved well, for i've been a good sport mate. as yeah. well yeah, being a great yeah, yeah. sport in yeah. the end yeah. and letting us yeah. repaul the end so we could watch a nick cage movie <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. which is everybody's a winner I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like Ben Johnson coming forward after his 1984 Olympics and saying, you know what, strip it off me. It was, it was all, you know. But he never did that, so you're one above. You're one above <laughs> Ben Johnson, go. Bob Hardy. Uh, <laughs> now, thank you very much, everybody, for taking part in that. We will do another one very soon. Because, as it turns out, you know, we had a lot of interaction. It was great. We so did, thank yeah, you very it, much. Yeah, it was, yeah. 
So if anyone wants to get involved with our uh, with our nonsense, uh, come over and follow us on Twitter, uh, FYR Film Pod. We're always doing silly stuff like this, and we love having a chat with all the listeners. So get yourselves yeah. involved over there. Yeah, and it's a positive place. It's a positive place. Of course, we it don't is. Really of course, like it is. to be. Uh, yeah, we're we're not here to crap all over the work of the hard work of a lot of film crews. We we're a very positive bunch. So yeah, yeah come over for some absolutely for some positive film chat instead of. Uh, well, the negative rubbish what floats around that godforsaken platform. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So without further ado, should we move on to the movie? Absolutely. Oh, I cannot yeah. wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. I just I mean, even the trailer, just hearing the noise from the trailer will do enough for me. Logline. Um and as sort of like um the biggest gob, it's fallen to me to provide the logline strap in as we try to move some of the most hilariously overplayed psychopath nutters across country on a criminally understaffed indestructible plane <laughs> then watching awe as one man and the most flaxen hair in cinema history dons a vest double denim work boots the whole shebang including an incredible alabama drawl to drop bodies from the sky literally of course, this is Simon West's Piece of Resistance, 1997's Conair. He's a US Ranger. Highly decorated. Did a little hell raising when he was a kid, but nothing serious. He's defending his wife. Got in a drunken brawl. And he killed a guy. Could have happened to you or me. After serving the last of his sentence, Cameron Poe is taking the first plane home to his wife and daughter. Today's flight is a special one. We're populating Louisiana's Felton Penitentiary. These guys are the worst of the worst. I see a lot of celebrities among us. I see 11 primetime lives, three regents and Kathy Lee's, and a genuine 2020 interviewee. What you looking at, punk? Nothing, I was just lying on your cage. But one wrong flight. Stewardess, what's the end flight movie today? <laughs> Can ruin your whole day. What happened? We caught the plane, man! Welcome to Con Air. Jailbird One, you are not cleared for takeoff. And nobody on this aircraft gives a flying. The issue here is how the plane is brought down. Shoot it down. There are innocent people up there. He's got a little girl to come home to. He's been waiting for this day for eight years. What are you gonna do? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm gonna save the day. This summer. Check your weapons. Take your seat. Isn't that your car? And say your prayers. He's got the whole world in his hand. From Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer of The Rock, Nicholas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich. Where are they going to land this thing? How do you feel about the blackjack tables? On June 6th. Directed by Simon West. Thank you, and have a pleasant flight. We're aware that this is a listener request, and we kind of go along with what the listeners would like, but does this qualify, actually, on merit to be a part of the FYR Film Podcast? James, budget and box office? It certainly doesn't from a uh, box office perspective. So this was a humongous hit. 
um, mm. for newly minted action star Nick Cage. So the, uh, the budget for Connor was $75 million and it made $224 million worldwide. Oh. So it's a solid gold hit. Oh, oh, absolutely lovely. Bruckheimer. Yes. Like right in the, in like the, oh, you know, I nearly said right in the Bruckheimer wheelhouse. Yeah. And it is. But um, I've come up with a phrase I think that we should all, you know, start to employ. You know, we use the phrase wheelhouse quite a lot. Yeah. And there is also, there's that other phrase from The Simpsons, it's all coming up Millhouse. Yeah. You know, when it's just, when it can come on the podcast, now I'm saying it's all coming up Wheelhouse. <laughs> anyway, so uh, critically then, Sai, how are we doing? Yeah, that this is where it qualifies. Um, I, I, oh. no, quite surprised, really. But, um, you know, it was a film of a time. If we go to our like usual metrics, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is fifty five percent, so a wee bit over fifty, but it's still classed as rotten on there. So that's where it qualifies. Unsurprisingly, the audience is is a lot higher at seventy five percent. Metacritic is is very similar, a, a slightly lower fifty two out of hundred on the critics, and eight point seven for the audience. So it's Woof. massive on the audience scale. Wow, we we were, and then even. Is this high on Letterboxd? I don't know. I forgot what our general usual is. 3.2 <laughs> on Letterboxd, probably. Yeah, like that's way above the average of 2.8. Yeah. 2.8, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. That, that's like um, higher than the average. But, yeah, the look at the reviews were really interesting. Um, our mate LaSalle. <laughs> uh, Mick wasn't that horny, actually. He only gave it two oh. out of four uh, back, in, back on release in 97, where he said... Director Simon West, making his feature debut, films the action as a spectacle of explosions. It's hard to know who is exploding, what is exploding, or why they're exploding. It's all noise (laughs) and fire and madness. And yet, however inept, the technique has a kind of purity. Someday soon, when movies are made up entirely of explosions, Conair will be remembered as a great step forward. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that review. (laughs) Good old Ebes was a bit more positive. He gave it three out of four. Oh, good And uh, we've mentioned her a few times um, recently. Rita Kempley from the Washington Post liked it. She She gave it four out of five. But yeah, a lot of the negative consensus critically was that it was just a big, dumb action movie really and i guess they don't go down well in terms of the you know which is fair enough because yeah. they're they're all they're you know it's a film of a time of an, of the 90s and was this before or after face off comes out the same month it came the out same three weeks before it <laughs> is that true <laughs> yeah oh my god oh, what is cage what a oh but yeah, I mean, I was surprised to read that a lot. Of, uh, a couple of critics take um, took issue with the acting, what? which I think is one of the film's strong points. To be honest, what? Uh, but we'll get to, we'll get to that. I'm sure we'll, we'll get, get to all that. that. Oh my god! A bit more positive in the UK. BBC gave it four stars. Said it's silly, but also free from pretensions to be anything else. Oh, good. Um, Caroline Westbrook in Empire gave it four stars. And then retrospectively as well, so Film 4 did a review like in the early 2000s and said, uh, this frankly silly action movie scores major points for bordering on self-parody. So it seemed to do a bit better in the UK than it did in America on the critical side. But uh, yeah, there's. I just want, I, I'm, I haven't done this for a while, but I do want to, sorry, I'm blabbering on with myself. But Oh, go for it, man. 
There's some great, there's some gold on Letterbox for this one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a, there was a review by someone called Groove Man who gave it five out of five and said, "Yeah, he did." Is there a six star option? <laughs> he then rewatched it a couple of months later, gave it five stars again, and said, "I'm pretty sure that it's scientifically proven that this is the greatest movie ever made." <laughs> oh, what a man! Come oh, on down. So good. And then it, it just it just gets better. So this was from Steve G five stars. I can only assume it's Steve and Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love Connor Emmy. <laughs> he he gave it five stars and said, uh, when it comes to Conair, there are two kinds of people. One, people who think Conair is fucking awesome. And two, people who I don't want to talk to. Stevie G with the fire. I love the, it. The, the last one, sorry guys. Uh, the last one was, uh, this was a rewatch by Matt J um, in 2015. And he, he simply said, some of the most fun one can have while still wearing pants. <laughs> Agreement. I would argue he was watching it in the wrong attire. You can't wear trousers to watch Conair. No, no. It's a crowd pleaser by the sounds of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those disparities between, when we have those ironclad disparities between critical reception and audience reception. And, yeah. you know, you know, I mean, surely as filmmakers, you would like, well, I don't know. I'm sure every filmmaker is probably different in which case. But to have your movie connect with an audience probably means more to you than the other maybe i don't know what do you think absolutely i mean i think a producer like bruckheimer wants the wants the box office and the and the ticket yeah. sales and the audience reaction because that's you know mm. that's his bread and butter really that those are the types of movies that he makes in terms of big crowd pleasing popcorn films yeah yeah i think for this sort of movie definitely that 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 is the case that it's more aimed at the audience of the time and what they're seeing in the cinema. And if you've got a summer where two Nick Cage action movies are coming out, then it's like... <laughs> and they're no. of this calibre. Give it, it this and face Give off. the fans what they want, man. <laughs> Honestly. But, but this is Bruckheimer's like, first solo production film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the first time that logo... Because you know when like the, the logos start up and you're like... I don't know if yeah, you yeah. guys do this, but yeah, Ooh, like, yeah, definitely. guess what they are when they first come up. And it's like, oh, this is a Bruckheimer one. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Lightning on the tree. Yeah. But it's distributed by Buena Vista, so I'm putting this down as a Disney movie. Yeah. Oh! Let's get it on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it's a Disney movie. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah. from the house of mouse. I like the fact that this concept was even too going too far for uh, Bruckheimer's longtime producing partner, the, uh, the late, uh, Don Simpson. He was like, I can't have anything to do with this, Jerry. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Given some of the movies he's got in his back catalogue with Bruckheimer as well. I thought it was Simpson who was the wild one, not Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that topic, actually, not, well, not that precise topic of Don Simpson being the wild one. What is your relationship with the film then, guys? To be honest with you, I think this might be another cheeky pirate that my dad's got from someone down the pub. 
to be honest. <laughs> this is a recurring theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was very the late nineties action films were very much the way that I saw most most movies that I was too young to go and see. You know, nineteen ninety seven I'm not old enough to go and see Con Air at the cinema. It might even have been an eighteen in this country. I think it's fifteen now. It's pretty brutal, isn't it? And there's that. Yeah, yeah. My, my DVD's an eighteen and I think a lot of that is probably we'll discuss in the film, but there's some pretty bad references, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> some of it is not aged especially well. No. Uh, so, yeah, and I think my dad said, he said, I said, is it, and he'd already watched it, like, you know, just to make sure that it was appropriate, even though it clearly wasn't. <laughs> um, and then he let me watch it anyway. <laughs> and he said, it's as good as The Rock, this. So it's like, right, you know, your expectations are in High already. Price. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he's wrong, but like it's uh, <laughs> it was a good barometer to uh, to take it on, and I, I absolutely loved it. I've watched it, God knows how many times. I own it to this day. I love it. Not the Byra. I've got it on crisp HD. <laughs> That's fully same. paid for. <laughs> Don't come after us, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like you say. Well, I think you know, as as we've previously discussed, I was really late to the Nick Cage bandwagon. Um, it's all right, Sai. We forgive you, and so does no. Nick. I know. I <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing it along with like his the other two films on the Nick Cage Holy Trinity of action flicks. So the Rock and Face Off. Seen him was like yeah, and then never revisited him again. So I've not seen it since. Um, and I think I knew this film more as the pop culture reference it's become over the years than the, the actual <laughs> film it is but yeah having had the pieces of cage mania finally like click into place in my head um after all this time i was really excited just to watch it again with this fresh cage loving perspective yeah so yeah i was i was really happy that this won out in the end um sorry dirty work <laughs> you cheat uh so no uh, yeah for myself i'm i'm like I can't 100% remember when I first watched this. I just ca- I can't. But I remember being enthralled with it, and I remember watching it many, many times. I, I certainly think it was... I think I missed it when it first came out, and then possibly when we hit 90... Well, it has to be 99 for reasons I will explain. But I think 98, 99, I started to really, oh, yeah, you know, get to grips with this one with a VHS and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm going to keep my powder dry for a minute on that. <laughs> what, is going, what is this this sinister backstory with Connor? There's a reason. There's a massive reason. You teasing story. bastard. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, should we, should we have a little look at the film then? Well, just before we dive in, I went out to get some general musing from our listenership on the Twitter uh, and I had some interesting things come back, and it seems like this has had quite a psychological impact on some of our some of our followers. So Matt Pickup says that he used to repeat the phrase, "Dear Casey, of course I'm coming home" in various different accents <laughs> for no particular reason, having watched this movie. What like various? Does he does he specify any of the accents? Just various? No, he just puts various. That's all the information I've got. <laughs> so not just it. We could have anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, James May simply loves the way that Cage says hummingbird. Oh, who does Hummingbird. And I think we can all get on board with that because it is like butter. So, it is, you know, yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, and yeah. uh, Darren Leafley, and this might be a, a question to answer as we get in there, uh, get further into the film. Despite the accent and the crazy wig 
and the jacked-up Forrest Gump appeal of Cameron Poe, Cage's character. Is Cage playing the least crazy character in the entire film? Yeah. Um, yeah, he could well yeah. be. Great and shout, And that should mate. tell you yeah. how insane this movie actually is. <laughs> yes. He's very subdued Cage, isn't he, um, compared to everyone else? And his other roles at the time as well. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't make it any less brilliant. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, yeah, thanks for all that, folks. Keep up coming. We'll keep shouting what we're doing next, and you you get have a word with us about what you want us to talk about. But we'll yeah, we'll definitely come back to that as we go through because there are some performances I feel that we need to unpack a little bit here um, <laughs> as we go through. So um, the film itself, uh, as we've just mentioned, it opens with that um, the Brookheimer logo. Yeah, and then we're in straight away to. <sighs> Like, it's the first of two brilliant montages in this film. The first yeah. one being military pornography, basically. Absolutely. It's a big Brookheimer <laughs> staple of the 90s, without a doubt. Murica. Yeah, it's Murica. very Murica, yeah. Lots of stuff about our soldiers, our boys overseas, and then Cage, it, it comes into Cage, you know, in, in crystal clear celluloid, and he's there. Saluting away in a beret as well. Yeah, who looks better in a beret, Rob Seagal or Cage or Stallone? Oh, or Stallone. Just... I mean, oh god, no, just all three. I mean, just <laughs> perhaps that. Perhaps we can have that as a, a poll as well. But, you know, <laughs> you guys, you tell us who's the best beret wearing FYR alumnus or Van Damme in Street Fighter. Oh, Van I mean, Damme we wears a beret in Street Don't... Fighter. <laughs> just, just, I'll get to him. I'll get to him. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely superb, this montage. The music's brilliant. My heart is swelling already. And if, if I'd been watching this in, in the cinema in 97, I'd be like, flipping heck, I'm in for a good do here. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for this now. Quite literally <laughs> pitching a tent. Like, it's just incredible. <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, and um, it, it slows down, and the, the tone changes very quickly to a sunlit... Uh, like the waterside bar in Alabama, and the sort of the familiar chord changes of a well-known song appear. Yeah, I mean we've got to get into this song, right? So do you I guys know the, the time, mate? The now's the time, right? The song makes itself known at the very start of the film, and then we don't see it again until Las Vegas towards the end. Slight spoilers. <laughs> do we? We'll get Flipping there. We're going to go on a bit of a journey, though. So in 1997, Touchstone commissioned a, fir- a song for the film. How Do I Live, written by legendary songwriter Diane Warren. This is for the film Con Air, about a... <laughs> Let's get Diane Warren just, to, do so to write this This film was written for... Sorry, this song was written for this film. Just yes, so we've yes. Got the only out. reason it exists is, is because of this Nicolas Cage action movie. So, <laughs> to begin with, they... Uh, so, Diane Warren uh, writes a song, knocks it out of the park, probably did it in like five minutes, no problem. Right, uh, they get in uh, a fifteen-year-old Leanne Rhymes to record the original version, but the version of the song in the film is performed by country music legend Trisha Yearwood. So you go, what's happened here? What on earth has happened here? I thought that because I remember like seeing the video and it's Leanne Rhymes, um, and then I was listening to the vocal on the film and I was like, this isn't Leanne Rhymes. She sounds like, she sounds a lot older. Yeah. So, yeah, so what's the score? So, the studio felt that the song lacked the emotional weight needed for the film. This film about a bunch of cons <laughs> who steal a prison plane and crash it into Las Vegas. Spoilers. 
<laughs> so they pivoted to a more country-sounding ballad, hence the Trisha Yearwood version, right? But the drama doesn't stop there. So away from the film, both Trisha Yearwood and Leanne Rhymes both put this single out on the same day, right? No. And it goes into the charts, right? So add insult to injury, they get round to the Grammys the following year and it's up for best best song from a Nicolas Cage action movie. I don't know what the category was. <laughs> that famous category that we're yeah. all up for. And what they do is before they're going to do the category, you know, to find out who wins, both nominated for the same song, Leanne Rhymes does a performance of the song to the whole, to millions watching at home and those in attendance. She's backstage. She's like, right, well, they've got me to perform the song live on stage. They're definitely going to give me the award, right? I'm 15 years old. They wouldn't destroy a 15-year-old girl like this, would they? No, Leanne Rhymes finishes a performance, knocks it out of the park, goes backstage, waiting to go and collect her Grammy. And the winner is Trisha Yearwood. (laughs) Bananas. Everything associated with this film is absolutely ridiculous. What on earth? Oh my god! So should we? Let's just put this to the Google test and say, "How do I live?" and see what comes up first. It helps if you spell it right. How did I get any of those words wrong? How do I live without you? It's. It says immediately, "Song by Leanne Rhymes." Yes. So this is the. So So she had the last laugh in the end because commercially her version did a lot better because it actually sounds like a proper ballad and not. Um, something that people who have relations with their relations would listen to. (laughs) 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 But wasn't uh, wasn't the the song nominated for both an Oscar and a Razzie for Best Original Song? I mean, it's it's just, this is just Con Air in microcosm. It's from the sublime to the ridiculous. (laughs) So good. Uh, Yeah, and that's the story of How Do I Live? So, you know. That was great. I I did not know any of that. (laughs) Trivia bonanza. That's probably the most exciting trivia we've ever had, I think. Yeah, incredible. And that concludes this week's episode of... Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, but what we can say is, you know, whether, you know, the song the song is an absolute... It's, it's a stone-cold classic ballad, isn't it? It and, is, yeah. And we yeah, get it, it here is. with uh, Cage's, reunite, uh, Cage's character, Cameron Poe, is reunited with this hummingbird, uh, played hummingbird. by Monica Potter, who was, who was quite uh, prevalent in the 90s and then just sort of yes. vanished, didn't she? I think we've discussed her before on the pod. I can't yeah. remember which episode. Yeah, she and she's really good here. Like, I can't... You know, um, James Franco is the male equivalent of having the wettest eyes in Hollywood. <laughs> I think Monica Potter is the the equivalent. I mean, I can't look at her without wanting to weep. I can't. Oh, I'm yeah. not helped by either Leanne Rhymes or Trisha Yearwood at this stage. Absolutely. So, but the, straight away, like, the, the film obviously opens with that montage that's got all the, the grainy stock footage. Yeah. And then as soon as you're into the actual movie and the, and Cage is saluting and getting off the boat to the strains of, you know, the early chord movements of this song. And it's so good looking, this film. Oh, yeah, it looks lovely. Yeah, it's it, like a lot of the time with a Bruckheimer movie, the director's sort of incidental, isn't it, in terms of yeah. like he'll either get Tony Scott in or Michael Bay or whatever. And he has a very... He picks directors who shoot in a certain way without, yeah, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. And we've got one of those big sunsets, haven't we, over the dock, and then some lovely romance between... I mean, I was watching this oh. film, and the first thing I wrote is just like, look at this hunk getting off this boat. Like, oh, yeah. 
Chicago Town Deep Dish. Here he is. <laughs> Absolutely is in this movie. It's incredible. <laughs> can I can I bring up then in which case that he's thirty three in this film? <laughs> he's probably thirty two during filming. That makes me want to be sick. Absolutely he's had a forty year old face his entire life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! Two years younger than I am now. Yeah, he's wow. thirty two, thirty three. It's a disgrace. I'm yeah. getting obsessed with this. This is becoming. You know, we flirted with your conspiracy corner for a while, Si. Like it's my bugbear now. Is like. <laughs> You know, the ages of heroes and how much it might upset me. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, is it true, like those footballers who are like 21 for like five, six years? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I've got a minute. It's I about 45. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, it, I, it's so good. But then, they, yeah, they they get to Mackin. Um, yeah. And there's a very hilariously... I just, I love how on the nose the dialogue is and how quickly they're like, right, we've got a cell that there's a baby on the way. And he gets down on the ground and starts putting his head next to the belly and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And some ne'er-do-well takes, you know, umbrage with this yeah. and decides he's going to challenge uh, Cameron Poe uh, outside. And bottles come out. And but you're not messing with just any old bar bum here. Do you know what though? He get it, it, right, so it goes badly, doesn't it? They go into the car, and some toughs who um, who fancy uh, Cameron Poe's misses want to do him some damage in the car park, don't they? And it goes badly for those guys. <laughs> what I will say here is that Cage has the car door open, and he can just get into <laughs> into the car and yes. drive away. Yes, he, he initiates this fight. <laughs> Does not have to do it. He does yeah. not have to do it. Uh, he's like got one all. leg in the car. It's like he's almost he's just about to put his seatbelt on. He's like, nah, sorry, home and burger, I'll go and go gotta go and deal with this. <laughs> and it's it's absolutely pissing it down as well. And he's in his lovely uniform. It's like just, yeah. just go, yeah. it's fine. You've not <laughs> seen your wife it. in ages. I mean, just go, yeah. go don't do this. But yeah, he get he gets proper macho with him, knocks seven shades of shit out of him, and then he kills one of the guys in the most nineties way ever. Like <laughs> Bosh, like nose into the brain. <laughs> Down you go. Uh, and then and then he turns into the thing from Adam's family. Trisha! <laughs> like he can't walk. Trisha! You know, what what happened to you in that second? I don't you were doing fine a minute ago and now you're immobile. Yeah. <laughs> Slumped against the fence. Um I don't understand but it, it's all so, so brilliant. Yeah. Iconic images, and then we're in a courtroom, and he's refusing to, I will not plead guilty. Yeah. And then he does plead guilty. He does, because he gets some absolutely atrocious legal advice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little glimpse into the American justice system, isn't it? It's all built on plea bargains. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ju- justice is dealt in, in transactions rather than actual justice. Yeah, so. yeah. what a great quote that is, Si. Yeah, no, he's, he's the real hero of the movie, The Judge, then, who actually <laughs> stuck to his gun, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> and actually puts him away for the right amount of time. Yeah, and it, it's so, so he pleads guilty in the hope that he'll get a reduced sentence and it doesn't work out that way. He gets a longer <laughs> sentence because of his lawyer, <laughs> redneck Lionel Hutz, has told him that he'll get off in two to four years. <laughs> you know, you can imagine him immediately after, like, you know, <laughs> I'm still going to need to get paid. You know, immediately, <laughs> yeah. And then... We're off to prison. Let's all go to jail. We like a montage. We like a can montage. Can I don't just we? before the montage? Because there's so much to talk about here. Can I bring in something that? Yeah. Right. Cash. Right. If you want to uh, roll up that music, sigh. You know the. Yeah. 
No, I, d- I don't mean now. I mean just like <laughs> later. Right. Sorry, I'll just um, get my guitar out. I'm going to be sorry. The year sorry, is... Junior. The year is... <laughs> the, the year is 1999. Um, possibly skating into 2000. Um, this guy here, Rob, is uh, trying to write one of his first screenplays. Oh. And it decides he's going to write Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> um, now, remember, Jurassic Park 3 came out in 2001. Oh, so right. I thought I, you know, I thought this was going to be Jurassic Park 3. The movie opens with a man and a woman walking down into the San Diego subway system. The man is Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is the character Jean-Claude Van Damme or is he going to yeah, be played much, by Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yeah. Playing himself. He's on, he's on, he's on set yeah. in San Diego. He yeah. is, yeah. And <laughs> some toughs come down. And, you know, come over to him and start giving, you know, you know, being abusive to his wife, like, you know, and he's they're waiting for the subway and he's like, come on, we wait for the subway. No. And um, they start, you know, putting hands on her. This is JCVD we're talking about here. So um, like a couple of he and one of the guys is dead. And then we cut to, you know, obviously seeing Conair. <laughs> we cut to a, a court scene where... It's quite Jean-Claude... similar. Yours is just indoors. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to a court scene that Jean-Claude is in cuffs in a lovely, you know, the lovely prison outfit, like, I am not guilty. <laughs> they wanted to touch my wife. <laughs> and uh, before we know where we are, guilty. And he sent... Now, the thing with San Diego is, following Jurassic Park law, it's one of the closest US states to uh, Isla Nublar. And that has been um, reclaimed by... They didn't know what to do with all the dinosaurs, so they've just made it, like, um, prison. Prison. <gasps> so you get oh sent to God. Jurassic Park. When you are, like, uh, sentenced to life, you just get sent to Jurassic Park. <laughs> and then the next scene after that was, like, Van Damme is lowered. In double denim, obviously, because that was the prisoner's, prison issue Lowered. <laughs> Low, lowered by helicopter into a clearing on Jurassic Park and left. <laughs> and just hanging, like, on a harness from a helicopter. Yeah, like... <laughs> I, I assume he did, he did go, like, Phoenix! And jump out. <laughs> Like a teabag, like just like, yeah. like a herbal teabag, just <laughs> dipping into the tea of Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> he was lowered in, and then, like, obviously, right, this is the only film script you are ever going to read which has Jean-Claude Van Damme doing karate against raptors, um, <laughs> and he, he manages to beat one of them and ends up, like, like with claws on his hands, you know, like he's got he a claw. Claws. He's, he's got, got a claw. claw. He's got. A... <laughs> I've actually got a raptor claw. It's a bottle opener, but um, and he's actually like, you know, like, can I show you one of my special kicks? Yeah, you know, um, and he finds that a, a handful of people have survived on Jurassic Park, and Jean Claude Van Damme in double denim get that gets more grubby throughout the film, with raptor claws strapped to his hands, helps these people escape Jurassic Park. They all also happen to be innocent, by the way. Tell me you wouldn't have gone in 2001 to watch that instead of what they actually put out. Uh, to be fair, Rob, I've read the unproduced screenplay for Jurassic Park 4 that they never made, and yours is n- not quite as mental as that one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, back to... Good yeah, pitch, I was quite influenced Rob. by Good this. Pitch. Thank you really very much, mate. Thank you. Um, yeah, Van Damme, JCVD, if you're listening, we can resurrect this. 
can resurrect this. Um, I've still got it. It's just down here. Uh, we come into one of the best montages in film history. I mean, there's so much going on here. We could do a full episode on this. Easily. On this sequence alone. It's just incredible. <laughs> I mean, where do we start? So, basically, first of all, uh, Cameron Poe is incarcerated and he's writing to his wife on the outside. And he says... I'm not angry. The blame's got to fall on me. Of course it has. You've started the fight. Like, you're out of your mind. Who else's fault would it be? I'm not angry. Well, great. You know. The blame's got to fall on me. <laughs> I, I I don't know what's happening. Um, all I know is like his hair's getting gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and the implication through the editing is that he decides not to have a haircut in 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And gets hench. He's really jacked in this, isn't he? Oh, he's like, so jacked Cage in this hasn't movie. Been bigger, has he, than this? I don't no, know. this is this is his physical peak. I think this is what he's... You remember the, the footage you saw of Tim Burton's, like, the tests for Tim Burton's Superman movie? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think this is how big Cage would have been. Because he's, he's like... He looks he's iconic in this film. He is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, his body fat, you know, this is exceptionally... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what's the word? Pervy? Yeah, probably. <laughs> his body fat is very low in this film. As well. Absolutely. I mean, and he's not wasting, he's not spinning his wheels alone in his cell for eight years, is he? He's picking up all sorts of crafts. He's doing origami, he's learning Spanish. Yeah. He's making friends with uh, Baby O by giving him pink coconut covered <laughs> treats that apparently he loves. But as a diabetic, I'm not sure he should be having too many of those. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's how he got diabetes. <laughs> 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 Paid for paying for his friendship. So. Is that why Cage feels so duty bound to get him the syringe later in the film? <laughs> <laughs> because he gave him di- diabetes. <laughs> uh, so we get a correspondence, don't we, going between um, uh, Cameron Poe and his wife? Although she doesn't seem to write back, like because we never get her voiceover. But we no. do get the um, the voiceover of the most advanced four year old ever. <laughs> Writing letters, I don't speak as well as Casey Poe does when she's sending a letter to her dad. (laughs) Did you you notice that you know Cage, sorry Poe, he he's getting walked in jail because the only bit that he laughs at is when she hears he hears she's being badly bullied. I know, you know, he's just a little chuckle to himself. There's a boy called Scotty Dalton, and he pulls me hair and calls my name, and he's like. Wicked. He's creasing up in bed over that one. He's a bad man. He's a very bad man. Yeah, he's... Well, yes. Hummingbird. Anyway, at the end of this spectacular montage, we find out that Cage will be released from prison. Oh, yeah. On the 14th July. They make a massive point of it being the 14th. It's coming. It's coming, boys. Honestly, on on our Facebook, Twitter feeds, we need to make sure. 14th of July is Con Air Day. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, already... Cage is mega earnest, and I think I think um, is it Darren, our listener, um, yeah. saying that this is his his least unhinged. I think he's probably right. You know, like he's oh, yeah, really yeah. within himself right the way through this whole montage. But it's the fact that he's so good during this montage that I'll follow him anywhere from this. I mean, Absolutely. I already would, but like yeah. because he is the way he is in this montage. I will coast through this film going behind him. I mean, this is it. You've got to remember, like two years earlier, he's won an Oscar for for best actor yeah like, and this is him at the absolute peak of his powers so he'd done the rock the year previously 
and he's got Con Air and Face Off coming out in the same month in the, as a summer tentpole mm. movie. He's like he's arguably the, he's one of the biggest movie stars in the world at that time, isn't he? Um, and and it shows here that he's just feeling really confident. He's tr- willing to try anything. He's bringing his mm. idiosyncrasies to these big budget action bonanzas and he's loving mm. every second of it. Yeah. But he's got a plane to catch. He needs to get home and he's not going to be flying commercial, that's for damn sure, even though he's effectively <laughs> a free man. He's at what the biggest stumbling block you have with this film is, right? I get that Conair is flying all these bad people to a super maximum security prison, perhaps the one from Face Off out on that oil rig. Oh! But do a couple of trips. Don't put them all on the same flight. That's just I mean, asking for trouble. It's the funniest. This is the funniest bit, I think, about the whole thing, is just how awful the authorities are here. Just that, that, oh. There's no one there. There's I no mean, one about. I, yeah, at this point, we're introduced to uh, John Cusack's character, aren't we? Uh, Larkin. Uh, him and his horrible loafers are essentially the, well, the, the villain of the movie. Yeah, any, like. any man... Any man who wears sandals and socks uh, cannot be trusted in a senior yeah. position as such as Larkin is in this movie. His Absolutely. character's 31, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. So Larkin is a US Marshal, apparently, and he's in charge of the plane. And what's happening is, what the B-plot is, is um, Cone Meany is playing a DEA agent um, who is putting one of his men on the plane to get info from and convict who will be on that plane because he gets a uh, quite chatty, garrulous, as Larkin puts it. So they're trying to do an undercover ops in the midst of transporting all the worst criminals in the world to a um, to a maximum security prison so they can get some information on a drug cartel. Doesn't really matter. They're all getting on the plane and they're all going. <laughs> I look, but this is the bit where um, Cusack introduces. He gives each criminal a little intro, doesn't he? Oh yeah, oh, like Suicide yeah. Squad. Getting onto the plane. And it's just like, oh, it's just fantastic. Dang there are dog. so many good, good <laughs> scenes of exposition in this film. Yeah, the exposition is done really well. Yeah, it's so good. Um, that's the the big. You know, if you can get, pa- if you can't get past the fact that there are. Four tops. No, no. Like officers, like guards on this plane, including the pilot, with fifteen or so maximum security prisoners. If you can't get past that, that lack of yeah. foresight, the awful planning, then you won't like the movie because you won't buy anything that happens from there. Uh, but if it, you can look past that, that's fine. Yeah, and it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, the cast of this film is off the charts. Like, so you've oh, got. Yeah. Nicholas Cage, John Cusack, John Malkovich, three tremendous actors as you lead. Yeah. yeah. You then got Ving Graham's as Diamond Dog as well. Oh, incredible. You got Danny Trejo, hot off heat. You know, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's he's getting involved. Chappelle, Chappelle, Dave Chappelle's, in, Chappelle's in, in there. Who else is in this movie? Who am I forgetting? Rachel Tacotin. Welcome back to the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just. Uh, MC Gainey, who yeah. Swamp Thing getting involved flying the plane, like <laughs> Steve Buscemi. It's just an incredibly deep bench for this particular it is, for this it's really, yeah, it's it? Incredible. It to the point that uh, uh, you know, this is jumping forward slightly, but they do like that sort of um like a seventies American soap for the finale, don't they? Just before the credits, where everyone gets a little 
Yeah, yeah. Like a camera kind of thing. It's like an after-school special, isn't it? Like we haven't it just is, seen yeah, murderers is, yeah. causing mayhem for, for, for <laughs> nigh on two hours. Yeah, it's incredible. So anyway, we're on the plane and Baby O's coming as well. I don't know where he's going. Is he getting parole as well or is he going to this horrible prison? No, he's not. He's, he's going to this horrible... I don't know why he's going as well. I mean, you've got these shockers from around the country who are going... Why transport them together? I just... <laughs> so, if, so someone might have to correct us if we got this wrong. Like, if if Babyo is going to this prison, that would suggest that he is not a very nice man, given the company that is yeah. going there, right? Like, and Nick Cage goes through hell and back to get it. So basically, there's a commotion on the plane when it all when it sets off, and uh, Babyo's um, all the syringes so that he can have his insulin administered to him get broken in the fracas. Uh, and Cage sort of has to dedicate himself to getting the uh, a syringe for, uh, to Babyo so that he can take his insulin medication so he doesn't slip into a coma. But we don't know what Babyo is even in prison for, but we can deduce from the fact that he's going to this horrendous prison <laughs> with these horrendous people. <laughs> he might set an orphanage on fire for all we know. He could be like <laughs> the Jimmy Savile of... <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that to be a coder at the end, you know, like that. Oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, I never asked you. What are you in for? <laughs> Killed a bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> I missed my daughter's birthday for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wastes no time. In as soon as they're in the air, like we're, it's turnaround time. But there's a there's a particular guard who's having a whale of a time. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. You know, in terms of the scenery chewing, um, and there's that brilliant line, isn't there? You know. Um, Stewardess, oh stewardess, uh, what's the in-flight entertainment? And that's Malkovich playing, yeah. it, you know, because he's brilliant. And <laughs> what was it that he says? Uh... Well, I think you'll like it, Cyrus. It's called "I'll Never Make Love to a Woman on the Beach Again," and it's preceded by the award-winning short "No More Steak for Me Ever." <laughs> Funny fucker, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> There's a really good self-referential bit as well, where um, I'm not sure if it's diamond dog or cyrus the virus who catches because as someone says earlier don't make eye contact with anyone because that's like a oh, really yeah. bad thing in prison yeah and cage cage makes eye contact with someone and they're like what you looking at and he's like it might be billy bedlam actually and he's like oh what are you looking at and he just goes oh just just admiring your cage and it's like yeah oh, it, it, i am admiring sh- your cage nicholas oh, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see that. I'm so glad yeah, I didn't see it. So that, good. It's a gilded cage of actually brilliance as well. Oh my <laughs> god! Is it? Is it? You know, um, physically he's so great in this film, Cage. In that, these there's a lot of big testosterone dudes knocking about here, isn't there? Yeah. And everyone's in each other's face, giving it all sorts. And Poe never, when anyone's in his face, he never gives an inch, never moves, never budges. And you buy it. You buy that he is yeah, hard. Yeah. Absolute yeah. nails hard. And that's that's just through that. Coiled, you know the way Cage carries himself, and the the this is a proper love in this, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, it's got to be, hasn't it? It has to be. How tall is Cage? Because he, I've never noticed how imposing he is, and in, in oh. as as I do have in this movie, he like must be six four. foot, mustn't he? He seems like quite a big dude. Whenever I've seen him in anything, let me just um, re- refresh this Wikipedia page of how do I live without you <laughs> to see how tall Nicholas Cage is. He must be. He must be like. Wait, yeah. Let's just assume six two. But he's really like imposing in this film. Yeah, definitely. 
It's because he's clearly put the gym work in, hasn't he, beforehand? And apparently he was like working out in between takes as well to make sure that his physique stayed as pumped as possible. And yeah, it all kicks off when they get on there. Cyrus the virus is is out and about, causing absolute mayhem on the uh, on the plane, and we're, and we're off to the races, aren't we? Really? Yeah. So this scene, I, I noticed in terms of how the film's made, two things that really stuck out for me. First, what an amazing set! Yes, the plane. Yeah, to film most of the film in such a small space and not have one shot the same is amazing like the variety is quality in terms yeah, of yeah. the sp- the geography of what it is is quite small but it f- it's just really smart how they've set it all up and and done all the blocking and what have you but then also the lighting is brilliant yeah so you get this bit where um cyrus sort of addresses everyone doesn't he from the top of this these these steps and the the light is like cutting in through a mesh flooring and it's like yeah. uplit him to make him look really evil. Yeah. Oh, it looks great. It just looks amazing. And it's like, yeah. I bet like the, the Sparks and Gaffers had a great time rigging all that up just to make that look as cool as they possibly could. And it just looks great. It looks so good. Absolutely. The cinematographer is uh, David Tattersall, who is an FYR alumni. He shot Speed oh. Racer for the Wachowskis. Oh, oh, did he? Wow. Yeah. And wow. he's also known for the Star Wars prequel trilogy and The Walking Dead. So he shot the pilot for The Walking oh, Dead. Yeah. So he effectively oh, wow. created wow. the visual style of that show. So he's he's That's a, incredible. He's a top of his game uh, cinematographer, without a doubt. But yeah, things like that go a bit underappreciated, I think, like in a film like mm. this. Yeah, the craft um, that goes into making something this big. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it just looks great. Um, and, and Malkovich is... Just loving every minute of screen time he's got, isn't he? <laughs> Without a doubt, yeah. Chewing it. Yeah, you can't really underplay just how much Malkovich is loving the role here, I don't think. Absolutely, and it's especially impressive given that he apparently hated every day on set because the script was being constantly rewritten. Is that true? So he had no idea what his character was supposed to do. Yeah, I was really surprised to read that. And then also that John Cusack hates this movie so much and it just looks like everyone's what? having a great time. A yeah, good absolutely. Acting, I guess. Really good acting from everyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well done, everyone, for ruining our dreams. Yeah, I think I think maybe actors like Malkovich and Cusack probably see these as sort of paycheck movies, so that, that would then allow them to do more smaller movies that they're perhaps, you know, on a personal level more interested in. But the screenwriter for this, Scott Rosenberg, he wrote this, and then uh, a couple of years later, High Fidelity comes out, which Cusack is both the star and producer on. Who wrote the screenplay for that? Scott Rosenberg. So you can't have thought that uh, Conair mm. was all that bad to hire wow. him to, <laughs> to to adapt that book for him. So Maybe, is it because they were all jealous of the fact that you know Cage is quite clearly the top dog in this movie? Well, yeah. I mean, but I I think they're just like you know a lot of the um, a lot of these uh, a lot of actors always go by the one for them, one for me sort of situation. Yeah, don't yeah, they? yeah. So we take this. I imagine it was the biggest payday that any of them. Never, never had because this is a big old movie and the, all the, there's a lot of money been spent on this project without a shadow of a doubt and yeah. to be honest with you whether they liked it or not they're both really really good in it in their respective they roles are. yeah that's they true really that's are. very very true very very true uh, like Cyrus the Virus is a horrible villain in a yeah. like toe curlingly mm-hmm. Cringeworthily horrible. Not in a not in like a bad way. I mean, like, well, no, obviously in a bad way. But you know, like, not because you don't buy it, because you buy it too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's John Malkovich, and he's 
an incredible actor, and he yeah, delivers some yeah. absolute zingers as well throughout. Yeah, he the... does. Yeah, I just think the one-liners in this are just non-stop. The whole script is just so. I mean, it's so nineties, isn't it? It's very nineties. Very nineties. It's very, yeah, yeah. very, very, it's very so. macho. It's yeah. very, you know, it's of a time, as we say quite a lot. But um, yeah. absolutely, it's still yeah. great, though. It's got some yeah. cracking one-liners in it, and a lot of them do come from Malkovich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's what I want from this type of film, though. I don't want it to be self-aware. I want it to be. I want it to just barrel into, lean into the ridiculousness of it. That's what I'm watching it mm. for. I'm not going to Con Air thinking that it's going to uh, win Best Picture at the Oscars the next year, you know. <laughs> Although it's good enough, you know, it looks good enough to do that. Because that's, like, during this middle section of the film, it's really hitting me here that, I mean, everything about the production is tight. Absolutely. Like, yeah, we yeah. talked about production design. I mean, it's so spot on. But, like, it looks so fresh, this film. Yeah. It, it looks outstanding. Just- just to do all this in one room, it's like a modern day twelve angry man. <laughs> <laughs> that is for your DVD cover. I mean, it's not true, but <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they are very angry men. Every single one yes, of them. Yes, yeah, this is true. Yeah, uh, this is true. I mean, I mean, we've got rapists, we've got serial killers, we've got oh, cannibals. Yeah. Uh, one of which, a cannibal who is used as... Uh, <laughs> so basically, they set off on the flight. They go to Carson City to pick up some new inmates and to drop some off. And they? Some of them have been yeah. shot in the fracas. The DEA agent, he was put on undercover. His cover was blown immediately when he pulled he the gun. Terrible. He, he was terrible. He was dead. They didn't, put the be- they didn't put the best man on the job, did they? He was, he was I mean, terrible. cracked <laughs> under pressure. Have, like, have, you seen, have you seen what they've got to choose from, though, in these departments? I mean, <laughs> there's no one there. These aren't, right, honestly, there's that bit where they're in a... Uh, like, Larkin's the best guy in this film, you know, like, in terms of doing his job. Yeah. You know, getting his job done. And even he is catastrophically awful at his job. He's the villain of the film. He kills more people than anybody in this movie. He does. He's got all the, you know, they get, they call them to Cyrus the Virus's cell. Yeah. Um. And I don't know, is this the same prison? Because suddenly he's in charge of this plane, but he's suddenly got ear time with the, with the people going through his cell. The geography of this movie makes zero sense at all. I, like, absolutely not. But they, The they plane like... is never more than 20 miles away from their office that they're at at the start of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just doing a tight circle above. <laughs> there it is. Oh, it's got to go. There it is. Oh, it's got to go. <laughs> They say, oh, you better come down and have a look at this. And it's a load of plain blueprints. And not at no point does anyone think, oh, it's a bit suspicious. <laughs> you just look through them like, oh, wow, look at all these plain pictures. This is blueprints of a plane we've just put him on. No, it's all be fine now. You know, it's not our responsibility anymore. Yeah, it's really quickly glossed over, isn't it, that um, Cyrus the Virus is working with this drug dealer, yeah, um, this cartel to get him out, basically. Um, and he's got. They're going to reward all the criminals who are who are involved in it. But it's just quite clever, isn't it? How he sends him a coded letter, and he's got like a lovely little yeah yeah image. Um, the picture of the Last Supper with all the holes cut out, and it's like a de- like, I just love all that. But they just quickly glide. They're like, it's not. It's boring. Yeah. Just get to the get to the explosions. Get to the fights. Why is it? We'll get to the fights. Why? How have all these people managed to liaise with each other? That's what I really want. How have they managed to communicate with you? And how Doesn't awful matter, must... Doesn't, Doesn't matter, Rob. Doesn't matter, I know, I know. But, you know, just think of, like, how... I mean, they put four people on this plane to look after the, this group. It's ridiculous. And it's absurd. And, and don't get me wrong, I adore the film to pieces. Yeah. You know that. 
But oh, absolutely. And we I all do, think do don't we? But it's just like, but it's because of stuff like this that you enjoy it more because you're just like, this is oh, yeah. farcical. You put <laughs> three people where, in charge of this lot. You like, know, when, when they take when they take control of the plane, they said like. Um, and what's your contingency plan? Contingency plan? Well, we, we don't have one. This was unthinkable. What? <laughs> what? Oh, my God. That is, I mean, that is a sackable offence right there. The second round of uh, inmates who come on the plane, because it's really, it's like split in half, isn't it? Because we've got yeah, like, yeah. Chappelle in the first half and then Chappelle comes a cropper. And then um, the second batch are brought on and then you've got this Hannibal Lecter-looking character and you don't know who he is. Actor-wise, and he's brought on, and there's like really foreboding music. Who it is, and and every all the criminals are scared of him as well, aren't they? They're all like, "Holy shit, this guy's," you know, even though we murdered people or Danny Trejo was this guy's really bad. How many? It's like this guy's really bad, (laughs) and you still don't know who he is. He's all tied up, and it turns out it's Steve Buscemi. (laughs) He's like, "Oh, everyone loves Steve Buscemi." Lovely 90s curtains as well. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> and he's a just for the record, he's a comic relief serial killing cannibal, right? And he's doing some of the best acting he's ever done in his entire career. Like, you can't, he's I don't so know why it's in this movie, but he's he's knocking it out of the park. Like, it's he incredible. Is. That's what I love about this cast. Everyone's starring in their own different movie. Basically. Totally, yeah. totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, but no, you're absolutely right. I'd love to have watched the uh, the Garland Green Chronicles prior to this, you know, to see what he got up to that got him to this point. I mean, there was no sequel. He escapes at the end. Spoilers, but like he's playing yeah. craps in Vegas at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Such a light-hearted, light-hearted end for the worst. You know, <laughs> the worst. We get there, but like bam, 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 the serial killer's loose now. You know, what? Why? You can't. That's not a funny, wholesome ending to send everyone out happy. Uh, Think of how many people he's going to kill that night. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, the plane, um, they decide to meet Carson, well, meet at Carson City. Um, The audacity of them all to wear police outfits uh, and and go out of the plane and all that. Um, Oh, it's bonkers. Then um, Poe gets an opportunity to go, but Baby O is struggling because of his yeah, yeah. coconut thing infused diabetes. <laughs> um, the the uh, cage feels that eternal guilt, which makes total sense now that's been pointed out. Yeah. Um, so he feels he's got to save him because he gave him this affliction in the first place. Um, it's all right, lads. We'll connect the dots. Don't bother putting it in the script. Yeah, just don't <laughs> worry about that. It's absolutely fine. Even though he has killed an orphanage full of children, <laughs> make sure Baby O gets out fine in the end. Um, and, um, so he refuses to go, and they go back up in the air, and then the, the sort of like people realise that oh, something about that Poe guy, yeah, you know, something a little bit yeah off with him. Who's that charisma machine in the middle of the play? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and then you know, uh, Dave Chappelle is used as the the crudest form of text message of all time. <laughs> one hundred and forty characters on the t- on the t shirt and bend out of a plane. <laughs> So we should explain slightly how we got there. When they're refueling at Carson City, even though they've been in the air for about five minutes. (laughs) Um, Dave Chappelle uh, gets sidetracked by... uh, What they do is they put the transponder for the plane into a a tourist plane, don't they, so that they can evade uh, their would-be captors for a little while. And Chappelle gets to macking on some some woman who works in the air hangar. You know, like one of the three women who are actually in the film. 
and he misses the plane back and then they realise that they're going to uh, a disused airfield, aren't they, to meet up with the Mexican drug lords where they're going to then take them to to a non-extradition country and they realise that they're not going as fast as they should be and it turns out that Dave Chappelle has got caught in the, <laughs> in the, the landing gear while trying to get back onto a moving plane. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a because I was really enjoying Chappelle up to this point. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he's great. Improvising most of his dialogue as well. He was like, "Oh, just do what you want. Like, go for it." Oh, were they? Oh, that's yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, as Rob says, um, Poe gets an opportunity to go down and fix the landing gear because he's just they're like he's really charismatic. Maybe he's a good engineer as well. Who knows? Uh, so they go down there, <laughs> yeah, and he writes an essay on Dave Chappelle's chest. While Diamond Dog isn't watching and uh, shoves him out of play. <laughs> I mean, this is it. Like, Camera Poe is an absolute lunatic. He might be the sanest <laughs> man in this movie, but he could have killed countless people <laughs> in little stunt. Arguably, he does at the end, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, he, this is to get a, a, a message to the authorities, and Dave Chappelle lands on, um, on some pensioner's car, and then that's how. Larkin then knows that they've got an ally on board. I mean, it doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense, but Not I'm really. going and with then, it. It's barreling forward, and I'm on. I'm on. Is, I'm on the plane. I'm going to the destination. Right. There are some. You know, it started off with small diehard similarities, and they're growing. <laughs> you know, messages with cops on the outside yeah. of the confined space that the yeah, hero is in. Yeah. The white vest as well. There are some similarities here. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. obvious nods, isn't there? Incidentally, this movie's only eight years after. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, which, I mean, again, they couldn't look further different at all if you tried. No. And now you're looking back, I mean, this movie's 23 years old. Mm. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, th- those pensioners are loving the role, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah, wiping the bird poo off the windscreen. Yeah, yeah. No, how he feels. That happened to me the other day, that. Also happened to me, uh, Segway, when I was when I was in high school, uh, I needed to buy a new coat. And... Um, my dad took me, and this is how irresponsible my dad is. Um, and I, I saw this Tommy Hilfiger coat, and it was white, pure white. Tommy oh, no. Coat. And he was like, yeah, get whatever you want. I really don't care. So I got it, took it home. <laughs> my mum saw it and went, what the, f- what is this? What? Why are you letting buy this? This is a coat for school. What are you doing, David? He went, well, that's what you wanted. And I was like, yeah, cheers, Dad. Fact, yeah, thanks for getting me my coat. Yeah, shut up, Mum. First day in school, I wore it and a flock of seagulls flew <laughs> And I was like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And then they must have seen it. It's like a beacon, this white <laughs> coat in the distance. They just, it was like a... It was like just dropping bombs. There's just shit everywhere. And my coat got hit. You know, like PJ and Biker Grove when he got paintballs everywhere. (laughs) On this brand new white coat, just seagull shit everywhere. (laughs) Scott Homer was like, like, yeah, bird shot all over me. (laughs) 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 Did you you get it clean? Uh, we we put it in the washing machine, but didn't realise it was full of uh, duck feathers, so it absolutely stank afterwards. <laughs> Never wore it again. <laughs> Never really? Incredible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that segue. I like a bit of uh... <laughs> oh, a bit of real life drama. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. 
Much like those seagulls, though, uh, and the end of Conair, Jerry Bruckheimer saw the opportunity to uh, destroy something in a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity <laughs> as he did with a real casino. So it's a lovely metaphor, I think. I don't know. I've got nothing. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's then this brilliant... Um... Well, they they stop at Lerner Airfield, don't they? They do, yeah, yeah. And Cusack takes Cole Meany's car there. Um, Cole Meany is repugnant. Again, it's about twenty minutes away, but they've been up in the air for two hours. I don't understand the geography of this movie. I get, I'm with your circles, mate. Just wee wee. You know, should we go to Lerner Airfield? Right, it's quicker to get there via a car than it is in a plane. Yeah. That's essentially what you're being told. A f- no, a fast, a fast car. He said, you need a, fast a fast car. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You How need fast, fast is it going? Co- a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Wishing across the desert. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, there's so much stuff to unpack with this brilliant sequence at Lerner Airfield, um, and it's fabulous. Um, the plane gets stuck. Sinado, Sinada, sorry. His mates are there ready to take... He's only got a small jet. He's only going to take Sonada. Yeah. So they've all been double-crossed, all the criminals. Absolutely. Cage yeah. is off trying to find um, syringes for Babyo. Yeah. Uh, him and Larkin uh, finally meet, because Larkin had the uh, the cojones and the wherewithal to drive quicker than a plane to <laughs> Lerner Airfield. And then there's a showdown. It's a brilliant showdown. And when they know the showdown is coming, I think this could be my favourite bit of the film. It's <laughs> when they say, right, Cyrus gets them all together for a plan. Yeah. And he says, like, right, I'm going to keep this really simple. Have a look at my beautifully arranged Blue Peter standard oh, map. Oh, God, I, I love it. Yeah, it's it's great, yeah, yeah. That must have taken me hours. To... <laughs> the, the plane looks like a plane, doesn't it? Like, yeah, he's put it does, wings yeah. on the little metal thing. I mean, it's got... <laughs> It's it's another level of bonkers. It reminds me of that joke in Back to the Future where uh, Doc says, uh, "Please excuse the crudeness of the uh, of the model. I didn't have time to paint it, and it's like a perfect <laughs> scale model of Hill Valley." <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally agree. It is the same. Uh, like, and it's lovely, and everyone's looking at it like, "Oh yeah, yeah." And then yeah. there's a really good firefight, punctuated by Cage running around with holding a syringe. Absolutely. Um, I think that Cyrus the virus though gets uh, quite a lot of his inspirations from movies because he's obviously seen the Harrison Ford film Clear and Present Danger where that exact tactic is used to ambush Jack Ryan and his cronies in South <laughs> yeah, American yeah. country they blow up the one at the front, the one at the back and then they have a corridor of dead people I think as he, <laughs> as he talks it so <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah and like Cage is running away from explosions and he's in his vest, like we've not even talked about the roundhouse kick that would make Jean Claude Van Damme proud. It's I mean, just, there's so much going on; it's just incredible. The hair, the hair, slow mo in the wind. It's looking like David Ginola from 1997. <laughs> yeah, there's just a, a bevy of guitar licks going on in the music. I mean, yeah. the score is. I've been listening to the score this week, and it's as bonkers as you would expect it to be. It's just. <laughs> I've never heard such wailing on a guitar before. It's incredible. And then yeah, they're back in the plane again, like, and they're off. Like, yeah. Well, they were hoping to get off, weren't they? Um, he was hoping to get the syringe to Baby O and 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 get him and 
the yeah. police officer are off, but they they just weren't quick enough, were they? And um, Johnny Twenty Three, Danny Trejo stops them, and there's a bit of a ruckus. And then when all that kicks off, yeah, they all get back on the plane, and then they're still. He's like, oh, didn't come get off. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> have we skipped the bit where Cameron Poe um, kills Billy Bedlam? By the way, we we, ha- we have in the hilarious battle of the crouched people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like when you're playing a video game and you don't know how to get the character off crouched. It's so funny. <laughs> no, this is the question. Like, so they have this hilarious crouched fight um, over a bunny rabbit, and then yeah. um, it's awkward to watch, but brilliant because the guitar is like. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, but why doesn't you know after he's done him in? Why doesn't he write another essay on his t-shirt and bin him out the place? <laughs> he just leaves him I don't there. know. They just find his body later. Like you've wasted all that that like real estate for text by just bestowing him. This is the uh, put the bunny back in the box bit, isn't it? Because it is. Yeah. Why couldn't you just put the bunny back oh, in the box? Oh, and then he comes up I, and gets lectured by Garland Green for murdering a man, which is a really funny back and forth. Was my fault. Was my fault. It's like take yeah. some responsibility, Cameron Poe. Right? How long before you reoffend <laughs> when you're back on the outside? Spends like... Film reoffending, doesn't he? Basically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know um, it emerges that someone on the on the you know the plane tipped off the cops or whatever. Yeah, I yeah. Can't remember. And Baby O says it was me. It was me. He's had his insulin. He's feeling like ten men. He's feeling so much better. He's Terry <laughs> ten mend up. And um, they said you know Baby O Cyrus decides that Baby O is going to get him. Shoots him point blank range in the stomach. He's killed so many people immediately throughout this film and despite having no opposition in Baby yeah. doesn't manage to kill him. <laughs> Shoot him <laughs> in the head! <laughs> yeah, just, just, I mean, you know, actually, uh, anyway. And Cage is brilliant here as well. Like, his crumbling face, oh, my word, the tears, the honestness. Oh, God, it's too much for me. Ah, I'm going to get you out of here, baby. Oh, yeah. And he delivers a line that only, because... Um, Baby O's knocking it out of the park as well. He's like, I'm starting to think that maybe God don't exist. <laughs> and Cage just looks down at don't, him, like, shrink wrapped, you know, his eyes shrink wrapped with tears. <laughs> I'm going to show you that God does exist. And then he just starts ploughing <laughs> through the plane, just kicking oh, ass and so taking names. Like, Baby O is shot in the arm, doesn't even notice. No. Keep- Plowing forward. You don't want Baby O in a high pressure situation. Let's call it like it is. Because, like, right, baby, you know, need you know, need you to book up here, Baby O. I don't think I'm gonna make it this time, Paul. <laughs> no, no, Baby O. You know, it's quite a high pressure situation. I don't think there's a guard. No, baby, baby O. You just pull yourself. I'm, I've got stuff on here, mate. I've just. I've just don't ran need through this. a firefight of explosions in a petrol station to get you a syringe. Don't make it a wasted don't journey. Don't give me this rubbish idiot. now. <laughs> it's my daughter's birthday today. I've never met her. I need a haircut. I've got a terrible present. Like I've got, we've all got problems, baby. O. Right, we can't be having a crisis of faith at this particular juncture. Now, excuse me, I've got to go and crash this plane into the Las Vegas Strip. <laughs> There's, there's then the, um, yeah, he, he's not phased by anything, and yeah, he's gone into sort of like invincible mode, um, and essentially just walks into the cabin. I mean, suddenly there's no one there to stop, and he just walks up the steps, and then he's in, and he's got, a, he's telling the guy to land the plane. Yeah. Um, Who I find for a criminal uh, pilot, Swamp Thing is quite amenable to Cage's directions. Given, yeah. <laughs> he's just enjoying flying the plane. To be perfectly honest. 
interesting. He's just very happy. Um, and, and also there's the possibility, well, not possibility, Man of Steel came into a lot of trouble for the amount of huge <laughs> loss of life at the end of that film, like yeah. obvious loss of life. Yeah. There has to be a lot of death and injury during it. It's this. incredible, right, because because uh, at this stage, uh, we should say as well that um, Larkin and Comini's character um, are... Malloy. Malloy are... Um, are chasing the plane down in fighter helicopters. I don't know why the DEA and US Marshals can fly helicopters, but they're shooting at the plane and then Cameron Poe gets control of the plane and he's on the radio. He's like, don't shoot, don't shoot. And he's like, and like Larkin's like, don't, don't shoot, don't shoot. He's got control of the plane. It's like, yeah, now what? Right. You've got an opportunity to shoot this lot down over the desert. Right. Yeah. The, the, uh, but, uh, you know, Cameron Poe, great guy, apparently. Bit murdery, but, <laughs> right? One sacrifice is fair enough for what it actually entails. Anyway, John, C- this is why I think John Cusack is actually the villain of the movie because he kills way more people than Cyrus the Virus and Nick Cage doing this movie. <laughs> by not allowing, as well. by not allowing these this plane to be shot down over the desert, they have to go to Las Vegas because apparently that's there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where we are. <laughs> Uh, yeah, suddenly they've gone miles and miles and miles, having gone round in circles. I mean, it's one of the iconic action movie moments of the 90s, isn't it? it is. In terms of it just sheer is. nonsense. Like, and... uh, you know, Why doesn't Cage State avoid the people down there? Why don't you just, you know, just coast further? Because they're trying to get it to an airfield, aren't they? They're trying to get it to the Vegas airport, but... Um... The only sensible person in this whole situation is Swamp Thing, the pilot of the plane, and he's like, "We can't, we haven't we got can't make fuel it. to get there." We can't Again, make I mean, it. what is the miles per gallon on this thing? Yeah. It just runs out of fuel like willy nilly. You've got literally, seriously, you've got about fifty miles when you take off. That's uh, it. You're gonna have to refuel every year. Like that's it. You know, you it's might been as well in come the down air because this is practically happening, or it feels like it's happening in real time. Obviously, it's not, but. You know they've been flying for about three hours tops, like, and they're out. Of, they've had to refuel twice. <laughs> Honestly, it, this is poor planning again on behalf of the the prisoner removal or <laughs> prisoner 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 removal scheme or whoever that Larkin's in charge of. I don't know. He's getting sacked at the end of this. though. it's ridiculous. It's, it's, should also with his inappropriate footwear on the job. Unbelievable. Well, exactly. I mean, that's a sackable offence on its own. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> lovely cream suit as well. Oof. Yeah. Let's just wardrobe in this film is oof, yeah. Well, Cage. I mean, is great. a lot of the guys are dressed the same, aren't they? To be fair. Yeah, but I mean, like Cage manages. I think that like the tucked in white vest into some stonewashed jeans, uh, belt and work boots. I mean, it's a look in it that with that hair. <laughs> you Whoa! you like it because he's basically Van Damme in Hard Target. That's basically, <laughs> yeah. what is yep, that <laughs> is the truth. That is the truth. <laughs> I'm not denying that at all. Yeah. No way would I even dream of it. But you know, it, it, I, I, you want your heroes to look iconic, and I mean, there are memes of Cage stepping off that bus, aren't there? Yeah. And, this is one of the most gifable movies ever. If you go is, on Twitter and really, do a really, gif, there's really so is. many of uh, Cage in this movie. It's incredible. And then, yeah, we get to the spectacle. This is what the whole film's been building to, and the Conair lands on the Las Vegas Strip, killing hundreds of people. <laughs> And, and what I love about it is the 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 session guitarist for the soundtrack is thinks it's the best thing ever. Like there's bodies flying around, 
and uh, you know there's there's cars blowing up and people spinning into water. You know, it's the best thing going. Do you know what the body count for uh, Con Air is, according to the IMDb? Is there an official and unofficial version of this? Uh, this must be the. Uh, this must be. I mean, this is. This is talk about cooking the figures, right? It must only be if you're a named <laughs> character that you get counted in this. Forty-three, apparently. <laughs> Treble it at least. <laughs> oh, when they land in Las Vegas and people are burning everywhere, then yes, absolutely. It goes through a casino. And it does. You have to imagine. I mean, there's a poor valet who gets absolutely iced. Uh, the like, and then all the people milling around the milling around the casinos and the streets. I, I get the impression Ve- I've never been, but I get the impression Vegas is a very busy place. It is, <laughs> so. yeah. Um, I, yeah, I I, um, I was lucky enough to go when I was twenty years old. So I've been drinking in this country for two years. Yeah. Um, and then going there, and I wasn't even allowed to set foot in a casino, oh, let alone God. you know. It was like, what am I doing now? You know, like, so mum and dad would go off at night and go on the razzle-dazzle and leave us in the hotel room, like, and I'm 20 years old, like, what can I do here? So I'd look out... You're just doing the... Practising your wailing guitar so that you can recreate Connor. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Um, Looking out at the strip, though, as well. And, yeah, it's always, no matter what time, always absolutely packed. The amount of death here... Is Absolutely. catastrophic. <laughs> also, that um, mm. Nick Cage can deliver a grimy bunny prison bunny rabbit to uh, to his daughter. For yeah, her yeah. <laughs> prison bunny, prison issue bunny rabbit, a new addition to the uniform. And so, what we should say as well about this sequence is that the last Vegas scenes were filmed at the legendary Sands Hotel immediately prior to its demolition in late nineteen ninety six. Uh, when the production team heard about the city's intention to raise the historic landmark, they immediately scheduled a multiple camera setup to take advantage of the rare event, which is what you actually see in the movie. So that's that's casino actually being levelled in the movie. <laughs> oh, my word. That's very oh, cool. Um, it's very it, Demolition Man, isn't it? That's very what Demolition happened. Man, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, um, again, we love it, practical stuff. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. and real explosions and real extras and real, you know, stunt work. Really love all that kind of stuff. Um, I thought, like, I totally bought that they were in Vegas here. Um, so I'm really heartened to hear that they actually were. It wasn't, yeah. you know, like a soundstage or whatever. I'm sure some of it was, but, like... So so the plane crashes, and the movie should really finish here. But, no, there's another five minutes. And this is my least favourite part of the film is that... Well, this, the chase, the fire this, engine chase. Yeah, the fire yeah. engine chase. It's just, like, I still don't understand what happens to Cyrus the virus at the end of this film. Like, uh, Yeah. I mean, they're going for a... I, I don't think they're going for this, but we were talking about Broken Arrow, weren't we, a few weeks back and the, and the death of John Travolta in that movie and how spectacular it was. Yeah. They're going for a similar vibe here, but it's just too convoluted. I don't know how he ends up on a building site and getting his head crushed. <laughs> yes. Well, I think yeah, there's, no, there's, there's no explanation of why he ends up there, is there? It's just like... <laughs> I, I read that he, in the in the original script he was supposed to just die in the tunnel. He got his head gets smashed yeah. by a sign or something, and that was where he died. But then now nah, we need something more extravagant. Let's well, put him I in mean, a, if you... let's put his head under a hydraulic press. Where are you going to find one of those in Vegas on the Vegas Strip? I don't know where <laughs> we're going to get one of those. It's all well done. It's just I don't know why it's there. It's like yeah, exactly. he went back. Uh, uh, we really need to go out with a banger. It's like I've just crashed a plane into the Las Vegas Strip and into a real-life casino. What more do you want? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and the thing is, at this point as well, Monica Potter and uh, Monica Potter's character and Casey mm. are 
at the casino. They're in the vicinity of the area. So why not bring them into the action at some point? Like Cyrus the Virus grabs her as a hostage or something like that. And then mm. and then there's some sort of standoff or shootout within there, within the vicinity of this, without doing a road trip across Vegas and get his head stamped by a few. <laughs> well, he, so he gets flipped through, like, flipped through some sort of overpass. Yeah, that and has then a casino inside it. <laughs> yeah, that has a casino inside it. Then lands in some, like, overhead power lines. But they do a top-down shot of that, and you can see quite clearly that underneath there is no, like, roadwork thing yeah. or construction area. And then he falls and lands on... A construction thing. Where's this massive construction site in Vegas? I, the, it's I the most baffling thing happened. in the film, and there's been a it lot really of baffling is, moments it? in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least I could follow the other ones. I don't understand how he's ended up here. I've got no idea whatsoever. I love the fact that he gets head popped like a melon. I love that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I was just, I just enjoyed that. I was just like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's quite, it's quite satisfactory. Yeah, I also enjoyed uh, seeing Ving Rhames um, pretend to be a fireman again. Because he was in Mission Impossible. <laughs> the year, the year before, I think it was. Yeah, um, it was. And yeah. Just again, yeah. in a, a fireman's outfit. Good old Ving. Ving Rhames is great in this as well. We haven't mentioned Ving Rhames that yeah. much. Yeah, no, is, no, we haven't at all. He's also excellent as uh, Cyrus's right hand man, um, Diamond yeah. Dog. Who at the start of it, I was like, should he be in prison? He's just he's he's a very well learned man. He's wrote a book about. Um, yeah. He's a he's a. He's like a Black Panther, isn't he? That's his. Sort yeah, of, he's a yeah. talking to Denzel for the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> making a movie on it. Yeah, great. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing right. Um, I really enjoyed his death. I, I really liked the motor, the police motorcycle up the urethra. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right in the ball. His scream <laughs> as well. I, I fully believe that was all Thing Rains going. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, uh, and um. Yeah, Cyrus gets his head popped, and um, this is it now. We're talking box office. I mean, when... unbelievable. Like, <sighs> it annoys me in a way, right? Because there's no reason for this to be an emotional moment at all, oh. right? Oh. But it manipulates me every single time. I don't know if it's the song, if it's the performances, which it's all of it. It's just incredible. Like. I don't know how they've done this at all. This is a film about with a comic relief cannibal in it, <laughs> <laughs> in which a plane five minutes earlier crashed into the Vegas Strip, and then you have this like weird tender. Um, it's a reunion, isn't reunion it? Like, between kind the, of, or the first pose. meeting. Oh, it's just incredible! Like, and then the music comes up as well, and like, oh, there's a brilliant dear. piece of uh, uh, expression on Cage's face where, like, he. he Fucking knocks it out of the park! Like, again, oh, it's it's like this is he's this is uh, he's so a list. It's like he's so doing King Lear on uh, in the yeah. West End. Like, he's, the commitment to this moment is incredible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> does anyone cry more beautifully than Cage? I, I don't think anyone does. Um, the the it's, this is just well, I mean, they're all acting absolutely brilliant. Wet Eyes Potter has gone for it as well. Um, yeah. Even the little kid is biting her lip. You yeah. know, as she hugs her dad for the first time, and that um, the whole like awkwardness, like I'm meant to get a haircut, you oh, know, yeah. and then with the bunny, like oh god, it's awful. I got a picture of you, oh dear me, and I'm, <laughs> it's I'm done. I'm absolutely sign me off, sign me out, sign me done. And like we like with these movies, 
Credits roll. Everyone's happy. Bosh, credits done. roll. We don't need any of this post-credit stuff. We don't need any of that. <laughs> we don't roll need to the see credits. the clean-up of this Las Vegas. <laughs> we do not need to see how many bodies they pull out from the Las Vegas wreckage. Don't need to see any of that. <laughs> I mean, I was just waiting for the credits to see who sang the song. <laughs> yeah, which one they were going to give to. In fact, in the credits, which one do they give it to? Do they? <laughs> very tense. Very tense. Um, lads, what's your favourite bit of the film? Oh. So, I mean, I need to go right back to the beginning and the eight-year prison montage is just everything that I yeah, love about yeah, Nicolas Cage movies in a microcosm. It's just incredible performance, absurdity. You've got origami, vertical push-ups and Cage learning the Spanish for my wife and I will take our margaritas on the yacht. You're an ex-con! <laughs> <laughs> How are you getting on a yacht unless you steal it? <laughs> <laughs> my oh wife my and I will God. take our margaritas on the yacht. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Uh, I, 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 what about you, man? I mean, like visually, you can't go beyond the famous gif of Cage getting off the plane and tasting yeah, fresh air and his hair so blowing good. in the wind. So good. What about you, Rob? I'm going to go with. I loved the moment where they've landed in Lerner at Lerner Airfield, or landed. I mean, they've sort of crashed and they're stuck yeah. under that propane tank, aren't they? <laughs> And everyone's off trying to dig it out, posing there, trying to say to Baby O, I'm going to go get you, you know, a, a, a gorgeous needle and I'm going to sort this all out. And he takes off his sodden d- denim top and then mops Baby O's face with it. And like, I'm like, Baby O'd be like, I've seen Minging. <laughs> and then and then leaves it on him like a like a duvet. It's the middle of the desert. Are you insane? <laughs> this man's got a fever. He doesn't need this. And then, but then Cage steps off the plane in his lovely, you know, tucked-in vest, and the music properly swells. The camera yeah. pulls in tight to him as he steps off, and the 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 breeze licks his hair. And I'm thinking, I'm in flipping heaven here. And that's my favourite bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so good. They really do a great job of mounting him as a movie star in this. Because obviously they really in the do, rock they, yeah. Cage is the protagonist, but it's more sold on the fact that Sean Connery is the is the action hero, isn't it, in The mm. Rock? Mm. Yeah. Um yeah. but this one, he's front and centre. He is the main macho action star in this one. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. It's really, really good. So for your reconsideration, gents, what are you thinking? Oh, of course. I mean, um, we've talked a long time about this film and I've been looking forward to discussing it in ages and it hasn't disappointed. But yeah, I'd say only reconsider this if you have a sense of humour and can understand that it's of a time. Like, it isn't the most PC movie ever made and some of it hasn't aged particularly well. But for me, the, the performances are as ludicrously entertaining as the concept itself and it barrels forward at a breakneck speed to deliver hilarious and oddly heartwarming popcorn action bonanza. Uh, to paraphrase the great Cameron Poe, it's a Brookhammer barbecue, and it tastes good. Oh, oh good lovely. line as well. Lovely. So, what about you, man? Um, well, I initially came for Cage's hair, uh, but got so much <laughs> more in return. Um, I, I mean... I th- <laughs> Lads, I think I think like by now, I think it's really obvious that we sort of the three of us really love. Um, we get a lot of kicks out of nineties action movies. We do, um, and while they've all dated in some way, I just think the fact Con Air is so self-aware of what it is just means that it's like aged really well. 
um, because it's yeah. so ridiculous. And it, now yeah. Simon West knows it's ridiculous. All the cast know it's ridiculous, and they're all fully leaned into it. Um, all the leads are amazing. Case Cusack, Markovic are like so bananas. And even though it sounds like they didn't enjoy the experience, it looks like they're having the time of their lives, which I love. I I, I say it quite often. I, I love it when you can tell that an actor is enjoying themselves rather than just mm. yeah, earning definitely. a paycheck or whatever. Um, and then same goes for like the amazingly deep supporting cast who are, they're just all picked so perfectly. And I don't think anyone else could fill those roles outside the actors they picked. In particular, Ving Rhames and Steve Buscemi as as little dialogue as he has, just he's just great in it. Yeah. Um. Overall, it's a pretty solid cornerstone of this particular type of movie. Shot really mm. well, zips along at a really good pace. It makes no sense whatsoever, but you know <laughs> who cares? Um, <laughs> it just features amazing one-liners, and as a result, it's just massively rewatchable. So yeah, definitely, definitely watch this again, especially if you haven't seen it for a good. 10 years or so. Oh my god. Uh, watch it I again. Wish. And you I think you'll be surprised at how well it's ha- held up to be honest. Seriously, I might actually not watch it again for 10 years just to feel Yeah, that yeah. Way. You know, um, <laughs> but what I'm, you know, I don't want to deprive myself of that for a decade, flipping out. Um to round it out and just to prove that our listeners what was it? It's all coming up wheelhouse. <laughs> that our listeners know exactly what we're talking about and what we're what we're about. Conair for me is um, looks like it was made yesterday. It looks daisy fresh. The only thing for me that gave away that it wasn't from the last ten years is the ridiculous flip phones that appear occasionally, and that's literally it. That is it. Um, it's just so much fun. Um, it doesn't try to be anything that it's not. It's not got any highfalutin aspirations of grand messages or anything like that. It is here to entertain, and it does that with consummate ease. It's so much fun, and yeah, if you've never seen it, strap in immediately. Mm. Absolutely. Super, super, super. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you again to everybody who um, voted and uh, got involved in the poll. Uh, the chit-chat, we love interacting with you guys on social media. Um, please follow um, us at FYR Film Pod, but also you can grab the three of us personally. We've got our own Twitter spaces as well. I'm at Rob Parker Author. Si, you're at... Uh, Simlu86, I'm at. And James, you're at... At JC Stew. Excellent. You can come. We'd love to chat with you. And thanks so much for supporting our little podcast. We've got a bit of a special on for you next time. You're going to find out about a bit more about that in the coming days. But in the meantime, say goodbye, boys. Bye. Bye bye. Will someone go to Las Vegas and find Garland Green immediately? <laughs> I mean, it's got so stupid. The, the the lack of care with this mass no, murderer. It, it's okay. They filled it with a. They finished it with a light-hearted credit sequence. So it's all fine. <laughs> He's not insane anymore. It it's fine. The amount of people I, I'm going to kill tonight. I'm going to let it ride. Oh, good. Thank you, Garland. <laughs>